0: I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the Weaving Yarn
1: Shop Just Yarn and Fiber.
0: Hello. Welcome to episode eighty-two of the Weave Podcast. Are you interested in sharing some words of wisdom with our podcast audience? Do you want to write in an email letter that can be shared with our listeners? Are you interested in sharing an audio clip to be added to one of these episodes? If so, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at lashawn at com. That's L-A-C-H-A-U-N at G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. This week on the podcast, I'm talking with Vera of Cosa Buena, a carefully curated, intimate retreat exploring the vibrant culture and traditions of Oaxaca, Mexico. They offer hands-on ancestral craft workshops, as well as the opportunity for attendees to nourish their body, mind, and spirit in connection with Zapotec and Mixtec communities and lands. Hey, Vera. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hi, LaShawn. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background? Sure.
1: Um, So my name is Vera Claire. I am the founder of COSA Buena. My academic background and training is in language education So I have a master's degree in. I'm an applied linguist and ethnographer. Um, Personally, just growing up, I had family dispersed all over the world. So I was really fortunate to be exposed to different cultures and languages um, from a very early time in my life, which really, I guess, set the tone for, you know, uh, eventually what would become my career. And so I've always been very curious about how other people live in different parts of the world, and particularly in art forms um, across cultures. So that's a little bit about my background, um, which, you know, eventually led me to do the work that I'm doing for Cosa Buena.
0: And can you talk about Cosa Buena and share what the name represents and how you began that project?
1: Sure. Um, Cosa Buena means a good thing. And through Cosa Buena, um, we offer socially responsible travel opportunities that are focused on arts and culture in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is in the southern part of Mexico. Um, I work directly with a number of different indigenous artisan communities Mainly concentrated in the Valle Centrales, the central valleys of Oaxaca. Um, you know, it it all kind of started rather organically. I was first really interested in indigenous arts uh, when I was living in South America. I lived in Chile and Argentina, and I spent time traveling through Peru, Bolivia. Ecuador, in Colombia. And during my travels, I really made a point of visiting small rural communities in mostly in the Andes. And um, at the time I was traveling alone and I was really touched by the warmth of the people who received me in these communities. And I began to learn a lot more about Uh, ancient practices of the Andean textiles, traditions, and medicines, and um, was particularly really fascinated by how much those differed across the region. So after having my big adventure in South America, I returned to San Francisco, California. Um, But I really desperately missed all these connections that I made And um, I was about to start graduate school, but I wasn't quite ready to settle back into my everyday life in the States. Um, So I started doing a lot of research and reading a bit about indigenous populations and art forms in Mexico. And from there, you know, all signs were pointing to Oaxaca. So within a few months, I set out on another solo journey and went south to Oaxaca And, um, you know, things kind of organically proceeded from there.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. And you mentioned that this is sort of a socially responsible travel, would you say, like business or... Yeah, I think um,
1: the number one priority of this project and this work is that it's educational. So having the opportunity to have traveled in, in my life and and after making these really intimate connections and building relationships with communities that are often marginalized, um, I really wanted to think about how we could you know travel and have these experiences in a more mindful thoughtful and respectful manner and um, a lot of that came from just listening to these communities and Um, That was very important to not impose, but to hear from them. And um, so we are, yes, a a socially responsible business or social enterprise that is, you know, offering something that I think people are really seeking now, which is they want to experience these places, these people, um, these cultures, but to do it in a way that is respectful and thoughtful. Um, and, you know, I'm really encouraging people to think just beyond their dollar. Um, the true meaning of cultural exchange is that we are thinking not only about what we can take or receive from the places we visit, but what we can share as well. So that's really the focus of the retreats that we offer, which are, you know, giving people a really intimate Hands-on experience in Oaxaca, but one that um, continues to nourish and and support local communities through various educational programs and community development initiatives as well.
0: Wow, that's super interesting, especially because um, Oaxaca, Mexico, is kind of like a beloved community to textile and fiber artists for their um weaving practices as well as their natural dyeing practices can you talk about some of the work that you have seen in the area and that people produce in the community that you're collaborating with
1: absolutely um yeah so you're you're correct that Oaxaca um sort of a mecca in in a sense to you know textile fiber artists and also anyone who's really interested in in craft um whether it be pottery woodworking you know it's all really concentrated in this area um so i'm working with several different communities and different backgrounds zapotec mixtec triqui um, chatino so a lot of these communities will um, sort of produce or focus on a specific art form. And um, so in terms of fiber arts, you know, I'm working with communities who do backstrap weaving, um, which is much more uncommon now after the spanish came to mexico and to oaxaca they brought the pedal looms and you see a lot of those especially in zapotec communities like teotitlan del valle so the backstrap weaving is uh much rarer so i'm working with some communities that are still doing backstrap weaving as you mentioned um the ancient natural dyeing practices which include obtaining dyes from local plants and insects such as cochineal, or they call cochena. Um, this is, you know, an incredibly labor-intensive process. And unfortunately, because of you know globalization and, and mass production practices all over the world have also reached some of these communities. So over the last you know, 20 years or so, many families have abandoned the traditional methods of natural dyeing and are using synthetic dyes, which are, of course, harmful for, You know, to their health and also the environment. So it's really important to concentrate on preserving these ancient natural dye techniques in Oaxaca. And of course, um, as you mentioned, you know, there's a huge interest from artists to travel there and learn from masters um who have been preserving these techniques for thousands of years in their communities. So it's really to shed light on um, those who are preserving these and, and really trying to pass it on to the next generations. So um yeah so in terms of fiber arts and textiles, um I work with communities that are using natural dyes that are weaving both on backstrap and pedal looms. Um, and then I'm working with a bunch of communities that are also potters, woodworkers, and other various art forms as well.
0: Interesting. And how have you been able to work on collaborating with these communities? Like, What are the ways that you have reached out and uh, produced things, and how have you gone about creating the products or the atmosphere for people to come and experience your retreats? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, as I mentioned previously, you know, I had no intention of starting something in Oaxaca. When I first came to Oaxaca, uh, everything really happened rather organically. And I, just out of my own curiosity and, and fascination with um, this beautiful work that these communities were doing, I started to learn more about the various art forms, and, and in doing so, I was building relationships with families of artisans. Um, and they're very personal relationships, which is what stands out to people who do come on these retreats, is how intimate and special it is to be welcomed into somebody's home and share a meal at their table and learn their story, learn their process. Um, So I think, you know, the main thing was that I did a lot of listening. Again, you know, not imposing, but just listening and hearing from these communities, um, finding the midway point where we could develop partnerships that were mutually beneficial and, you know, I think what's really important for people to understand is that what they are doing, what they are producing is not just uh, purely for economic benefit, it's it's identity, it's who they are. Um, mm. You know, I think when we think about here in the U.S., um, your work, what you do is a huge part of your identity, you know, if you're a doctor, a uh, lawyer, a teacher, an artist, whatever it is, that's how you define yourself. And we don't always get, you know, assign the same value to these communities who are experts in what they've been doing, you know, they've been working with plants and dyes and weaving since they were eight years old. Um, mm. so that's a really important thing, um, and message that I, I hope to, you know, share with, with everyone.
0: Wow. Interesting. And are there other collectives in the area?
1: Yes, absolutely. So Oaxaca is sort of this hotbed for, for all of these Communities, and it's really fascinating because each community is really concentrated on one art form. So you have, Mm. for example, Teotitlán del Valle, which is a Zapotec community, and everybody's working with um, dyeing and weaving. Not everyone's using natural dyes anymore, but historically, they were. Um, Then you have, for example, Santa María Atzompa, where everybody's working with clay. And they're renowned for this green, emerald green glaze, whereas there's other communities that are working with a red clay body, black clay. Um, so it's, it's really interesting that each community is working
0: around one uh, art form, one craft. Mm. And can you kind of talk about what would happen if potentially one of our listeners were to go on a retreat, what kind of things they would see and experience?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's been a lot of intention and and thoughtfulness in curating these experiences. And um, for one thing, you know, and some of the feedback we receive about what's incredibly special about them is That you get this really intimate um, experience visiting the homes of you know all of our partners. And I think one of the the most intimate things you can do is share a meal in somebody's home. Um, So we have a variety of workshops from natural dyeing and weaving, a pottery workshop. Um, as well as working with contemporary artists in the area. So one of my friends, Mariela Motilla, she is a contemporary textile artist and painter. So we had a beautiful um, conversation in in her home and studio where we all wove a collective weaving. We also, um, Oaxaca is very well known for food and having a cuisine that's unique to the rest of Mexico with a lot of these pre-Columbian foods and ancestral foods so we also learn a lot about the foods have um, some special dinners with local chefs and really the best food is always made in the communities in the, the homes of our partners it's just delicious fresh tortillas made you know right in front of us and we also visit local Um, ruins as well as getting to nature and some mineral springs and what's sort of sets us apart I believe is also we incorporate a lot of conversation and reflection um, as a way to process all the many experiences and to really you know take it to a deeper level and I've worked with Professors at the university there and various academic contacts who I bring in as well um, In addition to the community members to learn a bit more about the history and especially um, You know in, in this moment where Oaxaca uh, I feel in the last two or three years has especially been um, a, a tourist destination so what does that mean for these artisans in a globalizing world? How do they continue to preserve these traditions and and remain autonomous and independent? So we have a lot of um, important conversation around topics like that, which I think is what really sets this experience apart from other, you know, kind of hop-on, hop-off tour type things. And then we also incorporate some movement and meditation, yoga. Um, These are also ways to process all the experiences, as well as ceremonial offerings that um, really introduce people to the spiritual elements of Oaxaca.
0: And have you had any challenges sort of um, focusing more on the social responsibility of creating this retreat in comparison to like a lot of the market that is sort of maybe is not focused on being socially responsible and thinking about the people that they're collaborating with?
1: Definitely. I think um, it's really easy for anyone to throw out buzzwords like fair trade, sustainable, and, and, you know, all the things that we want to hear and we hope are, Are truly there, but, um, you know, I really hope that people demand more transparency in, in all in, you know, any endeavor or, or business that they are supporting. Um, so I think that's been challenging in the sense that, um, you know, I, through my master's thesis work developed, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. This critical literacy program and and a lot of the social components of Cosa Buena, um, which took a lot of research, a lot of listening, doing you know needs analyses with the communities, and um, so it, it's a challenge when I see you know other. Businesses or organizations that aren't necessarily really doing those things, but they can easily put up, you know, a beautiful photo and, and call it mm. what they want to call it. Um, so that's challenging. But I think that, um, you know, if you, if you head to our website on the retreat page, the first thing you'll see is the guiding principles. So not a description necessarily of what you'll experience and the pricing and that, but these, Principles that are um, the center of everything that we do. And, you know, it might be a deterrent for some, some who are just wanting to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, the people who just want the hop on, hop off, you know, kind of surface level experience. But having this be the first thing that people see on the retreat page was really important for me in terms of, you know, really setting the tone of. Um, what I expect from applicants, and um, and it's been, I think, really the greatest thing because we've had such wonderful people joining us. So, um, yeah, I think like anyone, when you're competing with a larger market, that's always difficult. But it's just so important for me to stay true to these values, and you mm. know, sustainability is all about thinking long term. So instead of short-term gains, I'm really thinking about the big picture here.
0: Interesting. That's super powerful. Thanks. <laughs> so you mentioned the Critical Literacy Project. Can you speak more about that and how that relates to the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so um, the Critical Literacy Project, this stems from uh, work that I did for my graduate master's thesis. Um, It's focused on using language as a tool to access resources and share ideas and then ultimately to take action. Mm -hmm. Um, So critical literacy, you know, comes from critical pedagogy and language teaching, which seeks social justice through language teaching and learning. And in doing so also challenges our understanding of formal schooling, and, and language ideologies. So I developed a narrative-based language and literacy courses that draw on the specific language needs of these female indigenous artisan collectives. So these courses aim to strengthen oral communication skills based in their own stories and experiences. Um, many of the women that we partner with have limited literacy skills in Spanish because they were never given an opportunity to attend school. And that's simply just because they're women. Um, so they've identified language and literacy as a valuable resource, you know, that can provide access to new opportunities. And um, quite frankly, it's just, the, it's a basic human right, the right to education, and it's hard for us as highly literate people to imagine going through the world and and not having literacy skills. Um, but this, you know, hinders their ability to access different rights to grow and expand their reach. Um, so we welcome all of their languages and ways of knowing in the classroom. That's the basis of this critical pedagogy and essentially what we're doing is um, again using language to to identify resources and take action on a community project so these projects differ some may be environmentally focused so there's some women who are interested for example in reforestation projects in their communities um, developing community gardens for food security Um, Some of the more socially focused ones could be around health. So a lot of the women have told me they uh, use these traditional wood-burning stoves in their homes, which can cause respiratory illness and and problems with eyesight because there's a lot of smoke. Um, So, you know, something like converting these traditional wood-burning stoves to a safer method um, would make a huge difference in their lives. So these are some of the projects that we're working towards and, and as well as financial security and independence for women um, because it is a very machista society and um, mm. these women are, are working really hard for gender equality but they are ridiculed in their communities because they're you know rebels in that way. So how can we support their goals for financial security and independence and one way, of course, is by bringing visitors for these retreats and taking these workshops. But in our critical literacy project, we're also developing books that um, tell their stories, the process of their craft, and also focus on their community activism. And these books are being developed in their native languages, in Spanish and English, um, to try to reach you know, foreigners in, in other capacities.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Really amazing. I'm excited to keep hearing updates of of how things are going and and where the project goes in the future.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, hopefully you can join us someday in Oaxaca,
0: too. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have a friend um, who I graduated with who um, is collaborating with a, a pottery a pottery person. I, I know that there's a specific word for it, but, um, pottery house in Oaxaca and everything that they make is really beautiful. And what's so interesting to me about the, the, the work that they make is so much of the materials that they use are sustainable because it's the lifestyle that they've always led. So all of the packaging is made from the, the, Um, agricultural byproduct of agave and like all of these things so I've heard so many amazing things about the ways in which the people of Oaxaca are creating and making things you know and things that have been there traditionally so it is interesting to hear sort of about the social aspect of it given the fact that these are also communities that are marginalized and um, you know, it's just very interesting to hear that the work that you're working on.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, I think what you said is so accurate and true that a lot of, um, a lot of beautiful work being done in Oaxaca. And I think, you know, especially now it's quite timely with, I know everybody's feeling overwhelmed in recent news with the fires in the Amazon and the Arctic, and understanding how we can live more symbiotically with, with our planet and um, really understanding that these communities have perhaps some of the deepest knowledge about that because they've been doing it for thousands of years. Um, so, you know, returning back to nature and, and living in a way where we're not taking more than we can, you know,
0: reproduce and sustain... Yeah, and do you have any new projects or future prospects that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yes, I. Um, this year I'm going to be expanding our offerings quite a bit. So I'm in the fall going to be launching an independent studies program um, where people who are traveling to Oaxaca for shorter periods of time who are interested in focusing perhaps in one area, maybe that's textiles, natural dyes, weaving, or pottery, or some people are interested in mezcal distillation and production, um, can you know work with me to develop a curriculum for between one to three days and, um, and focus on an area that they're interested in. And then that's, you know, for people who perhaps can't attend a full retreat or who, um, yeah, just have more more focused interest, we also are going to be offering a few other retreats, especially um, one that's specifically concentrated on education about local flora and fauna. So I'm working with communities that have really deep, spiritual connections with the plants they cultivate both for their crafts such as natural dyes as well as various ceremonial offerings and for that retreat I'm also working with a local anthropologist and ethnobotanist. so it's really exciting and we'll be taking guests deep into the cloud forest to really connect with the plants of Oaxaca so I'm excited for that and yeah, um with our you know critical literacy program, producing these books is uh, really a next step. I'm also working now on a partnership with the Mexican Museum in San Francisco, which is opening a new museum downtown right next to MoMA. So I'm working on curating exhibitions for artisans that I'm working with in Oaxaca who have, you know, dreams of showing their work. Um, overseas and in an institution like a museum. So that's a a really big thing for the next year. And long term, I have a a vision of building a community school in Oaxaca and perhaps an eco village. But those are all very
0: rough ideas now. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Super exciting. And where can people go on social media or the Internet to sign up? for your programs and also to follow your work. So you can check out our website. It's
1: www.lacosabuena.com. And then on Instagram we are cosa.buena.
0: So that's probably the best place to to stay updated. Awesome. So before you go, we have a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts?
1: I think um, I would say to focus on the process and not the outcome or the product. I think especially for weaving, um, it's a meditative practice and... Um, both working with women, indigenous women in these communities, as well as I mentioned earlier in, in the show, my friend Mariela Motilla, who's a contemporary textile artist in Oaxaca. Um, we've really discussed a lot about how important it is just to focus on the process and be present, enjoy that moment, and not always be thinking about the outcome. So I think that would be my, my little words
0: of wisdom amazing thank you so much thank you that's a wrap if you're interested in finding out more about cosa buena or to attend one of their retreats you can find links to their website in our show notes at www.jisyarn.com slash episode dash 82 Next week on the podcast, Sarah is talking to Kate. Kate is an artist and weaver who lives and works in New York City. As a Filipino American and islander, the sea is an important part of her identity, and the ocean, islands, and land are common threads repeated throughout her work. Kate is also a gist yarn ambassador which means she regularly works with our yarn and designs beautiful projects to share with our community. So stay tuned next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving!